One, two, yeah, we're good. good. We're live. Hey. Ready? Hi. Hello and welcome to the Epic TV slash sort of climbing daily podcast thing. Mm. It's a good title that, isn't it? Uh, yes. Why is it Epic TV forward slash Climbing Daily? Well, I feel that Epic TV has sort of morphed slightly into a lot of Climbing Daily stuff. Um, yeah. And also, I've, I always just say, welcome to Climbing Daily. I would contest that Johan would have issues <laughs> okay, with that. Should we just call it the Epic TV podcast? Uh, what about the Matt and Hugo show? I think people might have issues. Well, Johan would have an issue with that as well. What, that we're calling our own podcast, the Matt and Hugo show? Can we call it the Matt and Hugo show? Yeah. Okay. Welcome to the Matt and Hugo show. <laughs> <laughs> where we talk about everything and nothing. Um, I feel like we should give a bit of context to this. So we are currently in the middle of the Epic TV office, which is which is a living room, fundamentally. Yeah, and somebody's about to walk into the door. It's fine. Alice, come on in. Alice is our co-worker. She is today wearing a pair of dungarees, which are lovely. Yeah. And she has a dog called Django. I feel like that's a bit context for that little disturbance. That is. So people are going to be coming in and out. Uh, behind us, Flo is editing today's Climbing Daily. Oh, yes, tomorrow's, sorry, Climbing Daily episode. Um, What's the a kitchen. Today, Matt? today is Monday. Uh, it's the 1st of April, in fact. So it's not. this is not an April Fool's. We need to make this clear. Oh, but it could be. Is it an April Fool's? Is it? It's I not. Mean, is it foolish of us to start <laughs> a podcast? <laughs> I don't know, but it's not an April Fool's. We're doing this. There's a microphone on the table. There's a there's a sound recorded device. You've got headphones what, on. What do you? You don't. <laughs> I don't. What What do you want this podcast to be? So I've really enjoyed the Instagram Live stuff, mm-hmm. um, and what I thought it would be cool is if we took this to a next step. So like a little bit longer form, us just chatting about stuff about the climbing world. We will probably be chatting a little bit about gear because. And maybe we'll discuss this on a later podcast because gear is a big part of what we do. Yeah. So maybe we talk about that. But it's just a chance maybe to uh, talk to our audience in a more intimate way. I like the way that you did that without saying the word connection or yeah. connect. <laughs> I've watched a lot of Ben Brown. I try to avoid that word right, okay. as okay. much as possible. Okay. Uh, yeah, so this is it. We're going to try to do this every now and again. Uh, we're going to come up with different themes. Um, and this might not work because we've never done it before. Also, like somebody left a comment the other day on a Instagram or YouTube live and said, great, really excited about your podcast because I've been looking for a climbing podcast mm. and I haven't been able to find one that's good. So we have to decide whether this is going to be about climbing or whether this is going to be about us. I imagine it'll be about climbing. I guess so. I think there's, there's elements though that we could talk about. For example, YouTube comments could be a fascinating one because yes. it's something we deal with every day. Can you read out YouTube comments I, I think in we funny should do voices? That. Yeah, I, I'd love that because YouTube comments is one of those things that we literally, it, we, we, we have it in front of us all day, every day. And mm. I think there's a really interesting thing about people just writing what they want and being nasty or being nice. And I think that could be a discussion. Absolutely. Uh, maybe gear. You know what I'd like to talk about is how we make money because I think we get a lot of stick sometimes through advertising or people think we're just advertising things. I think it could be cool to talk about the reasons we do that and the reason we sell gear and why we do that and how we get it wrong and how we get it right. That could be a discussion point. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people think that we are a massive company. Mm-hmm. I met a guy the other day and he, to be fair, he was like, he was a skier, so he was like talking about the skiing kind of side, kind of side of things. But there are, there's a certain aspect of people seeing us as this massive company, uh, that, and therefore we don't really, shouldn't really be able to like kind of sell directly to you within a video. But the truth is, is that we're not as big as that. We're not like a corporation or anything like that. We're we're a reasonably small company, and the way that we monetize is obviously through the shop. And if yep. you have watched any videos or anything of Epic TV. 
or climbing daily you probably know that by now yeah so that's a whole there's a whole subject there i think to discuss so i think it's mm-hmm. i think this could be an interesting way for for the people listening to get more of an insight into epic tv what we do and what our aspirations are because i think uh we're climbers here we, we love to promote the sport and uh yeah it'd be good to talk a bit further about that but for today we thought we'd start at the beginning, which is um, which is talking about climbing and talking about how we got started in climbing and why it made a big difference. Because we, you and me, have got very very different stories. True. And also backgrounds to the sport. True. Because it's something that perhaps you've discovered doing the job. Yeah. Whereas I discovered climbing and then did the job. So we almost come at it from completely opposite angles, and I think that gives a very interesting perspective on how we create stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, let's let's start. Let's start. Let's, okay. How did you how did you get into climbing? And how did you get into Epic TV? So uh, I always always played sport, um, and rugby was my game, and it was everything I loved to do. And then I got an injury when I was about sixteen that just put a stop to everything. That full stop. That was it. I, I injured my neck. Um, playing rugby would have been very dangerous, and I was left with this void where sport used to be. And yeah, I did a bit of running, and I used to go to the gym, and it was fine, but it was boring. It hadn't got. There wasn't an interaction with people. It was just me running or going to the gym, and there was no purpose and no reason. But opposite the drama school where I went, there was uh, a climbing wall called Climb London, and it had. Big, it's a great name because it was in London. You, you get it. Uh, had massive glass walls that were actually open to the elements. So it was netting through half of it. Yeah. Never quite sure why. Apparently it's a planning permission issue. But I used to walk past this every single day and uh, it fascinated me and scared me a little bit. And then one day after I finished uni, I had a bit of dead time and I went in and did a beginner's course. And you could, it was like three weeks, one evening a week. And they taught you how to belay, how to tie the knot, a little bit about uh, how to climb. And that was it. That was my start. That's how I got into the indoor world. So for me, my intro to the sport was indoor climbing. And you, how, how, how did it all begin? Uh, I think it was like it was. I basically moved to where we live now, which is in the in the French Alps. I moved here about seven or eight years ago, and I kind of came as a skier. Like I was, I used to be a ski instructor, um, and like I'd just been. I've been skiing. I lived, grew up in Scotland, so we like skied since I was like the age of like eight or nine or something like that um so we always like totally love skiing and so basically came out to start a skiing business with my wife um but then very quickly realized that that wasn't going to work because it was a very competitive industry or it did work for a while but like we needed more income so I started looking for work found Epic TV and when I started Epic TV we did like everything so we did skiing snowboarding surfing climbing wingsuit flying everything we didn't necessarily concentrate on one thing and I came along as kind of like the cameraman editor type thing. Uh, what date was that? Like how long? That was ago? in 2012. Uh, what's that noise? There's a there's a currently a lorry reversing. They're they're digging up the chalet next to us. So if you is a beef bit of disturbance, it's a truck. Uh, that is gone. Um, <coughs> and then so basically so we came out and then I looked for the job and then basically I I, came, I before we moved out I was a cameraman in London, so I had a background in that and then I basically applied for the job and. I was kind of a skier, but like I just came to it as a cameraman editor type thing. Um, and then we started Epic TV and that just kind of kicked off. And initially it was like we did these kind of in-studio live podcasts that I would kind of like edit and film. Uh, and then all of a, one day the boss was like, I think we need to start a daily climbing show. I think climbing is, 
is kicking off. Like, I think it's there's a big audience there. So I took that on and I basically started Epic TV Climbing Daily in about 2013. Did you know anything about climbing before you started? I literally knew nothing, like nothing. <laughs> like there was a point where somebody mentioned bouldering. I was like, what is, what is bouldering? I have no idea. This was back in 2012 and I didn't know, I have, I have a clue. And then, so the more I did this the, and the more I hung out with the guys in Chamonix, the more like they, people were like going, well, we climb, they climb and stuff like that. So for me, climbing kind of came from, it came from Epic TV and it came from being in the outdoors. So it was like an extension of, of uh, Sorry, I'm flicking a pen. Um, it, it was an extension of being um, in the mountains and working for a company like Epic TV, hanging out with people who also like climbing as well. Um, and so I, it kind of came, like, came gradually as well. It wasn't like I... I think skiers and climbers are pretty different type of people kind of thing. So for me, it took me a while to get my head around and be in the same headspace as kind of climbers. But I was lucky enough to have like presenters like Jack Geldard and Charlie Bosco, who I just really liked hanging out with, and yourself, of course. I think by, by the time though- But I come along later. Around, no, but you came around, by the time you came around, I was kind of like, felt like I could take more ownership mm -hmm. of the show. Um, and I kind of, and by that point, I was like definitely much more in the kind of the climbing headspace. But those guys kind of gave me an introduction to it. And then with you, we've kind of taken it to another level. Um, but indoor climbing wise, for me, I've never had a gym around me. I've never had like somewhere I can regularly go. Uh, and so actually it's weirdly that this summer we're doing the project. That was the first time I've really had like regular exposure to an indoor climbing gym. And it showed me how not very strong I was. <laughs> because it's like ridiculous how strong you can get if you regularly go to that. It's because like, if you're bouldering, you're just bouldering. There's no like faff with the rope or anything like that. These days, these days, if I go climbing outside, if I'm lucky enough to find somebody to want to go climbing with me, you go and you do like, you climb for a couple of hours, but then I have to go back and I have to like help my wife out with the kids and stuff like that. I don't get like a whole day to go out, which I wish I'd not. I mean, like if I really wanted to, I could, but mm. I like, I like hanging out with my kids and stuff like that. But having that kind of long-term exposure to a gym, like it's amazing how like the difference going to a gym and getting strong that way and training that way can get you. I don't know about you, but I found so after that initial walking to that climbing wall, it very quickly took over my entire life. Mm. Like to the point where I think that every single decision I've ever made since that moment has been related to climbing. Honestly, like everything I've done somehow has gone back to climbing. That might be holidays. It might be where I live now. It's my job choice. It, it's everything. Um, and I think that's the good thing about climbing. I think that's why so many people watch Climbing Daily and people like Magnus and Eric is it, it's, it's all encompassing. It's hard to back away. And I always see the climbers who are kind of half arsed doing it, you notice because they're maybe in the gym once, maybe once a week, maybe, maybe you know, three times a month, something like that. And then you get the ones who are there every single day. And it's incredible how much it takes over everything. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think like definitely if, you, if, it's, if it's something that, as you said, there's like, that space in your life, which is able to be taken up by something like that, then I think it's like the perfect, as you say, all encompassing thing. And it kind of, you know, like you say, it kind of is very much an effect on your kind of like your friend groups yep. and stuff like that and your holidays and, and all that kind of thing. I would say that for me personally, I haven't had that kind of experience, but it's been like more like a creeper for me. Like, like the more I, and like the more I do it, the more I kind of like, just very slowly kind of fall in love with it. But like, for me, it's definitely uh, something that's kind of like taken, a, taken a, like it's been a long, long spell. Mm -hmm. If you'd see, if I was like climbing with you in London, I would have been one of those guys that's like not <laughs> I would have been the guy like, maybe that does like a, like a, a rush of like three days and then just yeah. get totally unmotivated for like a couple of weeks. I think though, what it did for me is it, it filled this space in me, which was missing. And I think I was, 
so I finished uni and you know when you finish uni but you still live in the same city your friends leave suddenly or they're, they're not in the same place every day and I had this moment of like realizing that my social life was my university life and then that no longer existed and I had work but my jobs because I was trying to be an actor um I had the jobs I had to get had to be flexible because my agent would expect me to drop everything the next day for for an interview so that means that the jobs you get have to be very flexible and I was working in uh, department stores. So I'd work in Selfridges, Harrods, it was awful, but I, you'd never see the same people every day because everyone would be all over the place. So suddenly I didn't have a social life through university. I didn't have a social life through work. And then you're like, I, how do you meet people if you don't have a, an avenue? And then climbing for me, when I walked into that wall, there was suddenly this group of people who were always in the same place on certain nights. They respected what you did for how you did it. You could be the biggest geek or the biggest loser, which is probably what I was, but because you climbed and because you were okay or not okay or were trying, people would respect you for it. And it was like a bar. You'd walk in and people would know your name and they'd say hello and you'd get into this community. And it's, it was, it, suddenly I had a social life, I had friends, I had girls, I had everything that I was missing from being in London and feeling a bit lost in a big city. And it's, it narrowed my whole world to one thing. The problem being is that one thing then took over everything else. And I do look back and I think, I don't think it was very healthy looking back because I didn't do anything else. Yeah. I dropped acting. I like, I like friends who didn't climb didn't matter to me anymore, but it just takes over everything. It's addictive as a sport. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see that definitely, man, definitely. Yeah. And then for you, what was your first outdoor experience? Well, no, but I, I found outdoor before indoor. Like, out, it, just, it was very much part and parcel of being outdoor was climbing. Um, sport climbing or track sport climbing? Climb, yeah, sport climbing. I didn't really get bouldering initially. I kind of get it now, but I didn't. I like initially. I didn't really get it. Uh, I just kind of like this sense of like adventure. You kind of like I liked liked understanding what you do with the ropes and like how the belay and anchors and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so like I definitely felt like for me when I started sport climbing, that was something that I kind of like got a bit of a kick out and of and. I would say that I haven't kind of explored it as much as I like, kind of possibly could, just purely because I think a lot, a lot of it's to do with location. Like I don't live in Chamonix, so I don't have that kind of access to that amazing big mountain. Although I do have plenty of access where I live, but I think it's like a lot of it's to do with like uh, geography, and there's a lot, a lot of it's to do with like the vicinity of like people that you live with that are kind of willing to share those experiences with you. Do Do you think? as having that outsider perspective has allowed you to be a bit more clear-headed when you're... Because, I mean, you commission content all the time, you make videos, you edit videos. Do you think that's allowed you a bit more perspective on the sport? Um, I think so. I, I, I like the... Well, and I, for me, like, when I commission stuff, it always comes down to story. Like, a well-told story just trumps and shits over everything else. Like, if you have, if you have a filmmaker that comes to you with a bit of video which is well told like visually and narratively like and it, and it's all well put together it doesn't matter what it's shot on like if it's shot on a phone or whatever like if he has sat down and did it and take like um said right this is my beginning this is my middle this is my end this is how we get to this is like and they use you know obviously visuals help but like if they do it properly that's always stood out to me so i'm always willing to kind of like when i commission stuff to be like that guy knows what he's doing over that guy that guy's got a really expensive camera but he's just like doing all this flashy stuff that I don't really care about. And I think climbing really like lends itself well to that because there's a lot of good stories to be told within climbing. Um, regardless of whether it's like indoor climbing, like Eric Carlson has shown in his videos, his storytelling is brilliant. 
and he's just and it's telling the story of somebody trying hard on a on a on a boulder problem that they've got that they're projecting to like big expeditions which uh you know like are a big outdoor kind of adventure expeditions it's that essence of like what makes you want to go and do this what's the motivation to do this how do you get ready for this and then and then eventually how do you kind of tackle it and how do you break through all those barriers that kind of are put in front of you which more than any other sport i think climbing does and if you're not a, if you don't climb and if you're not a climber you don't understand how difficult it is and that's you know that's why uh i think gym climbing it seems very much more accessible to like a just the the the, the general audience in that people have some kind of uh, relativity to it kind of thing but you see some of the guys that are doing this out, outdoor adventure exped expeditions and it's so uh far beyond what most people ex like everyday person experiences in terms of challenges and and finding like motivation where everything seems lost that is uh something i find unbelievably interesting and and when it's visually to and when it's told really well in the film and and it and it you and the filmmaker allows the audience to relate to those feelings that he's kind of experiencing whilst he's climbing and what and what he's watching that's that's a real skill you mentioned then that the challenge side of climbing um do you think that's one of the reasons why climbing is is has that addictive side and has that uh you want to push it because because every time you achieve a goal in climbing it no longer exists like it's it's gone and i know that's similar to other sports you know like if you win the world cup you've won the world cup but you move on to the next world cup but for climbing i feel like the second you do a challenge or a thing it, it, it you immediately look to, to for another challenge or like a harder climb because there is no ceiling to our sport whereas in football you've won the world cup what do you do next? Everyone retires and goes and spends their money. But with yeah. climbing, you know, you can't be the best because there's always something something bigger. Do you think that's something that, that's why it's so addictive as a sport? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody understands and loves that feeling of, like, climbing a project. Something you've been projecting for a couple of months and then you, like, climb it, like, is a pretty ridiculously amazing feeling. And to be able to kind of do that and then finish that kind of project and finish that kind of feeling uh, and then be like all right I can just move on to the next one absolutely I think that's an addictive feeling like, you must know that's like yeah it something is that you love but I also I, I've experienced the opposite side of it as well which is falling out of love with it and this has happened quite a few times throughout my climbing career um uh, uh, sometimes it's, it's, I think you plateau in climbing so easily and it's hard to push past that and it's it's constantly achieving is difficult because to, to constantly achieve you've always got to be training or like scaring yourself or pushing yourself and I, I've certainly reached points where I've flatlined and it, it's taken a big moment to pull me out of it and it, for me it's usually an injury so it's when I can't do the sport I love that I miss it and then I get re-inspired for it again but also weirdly when I started working for Epic TV I totally fell out of love with climbing right and I think it's because I suddenly went from having this hobby that I enjoyed with my friends to, to having to be online eight hours a day looking at climbing videos posting social media stuff doing research and I hated it it was really weird and it's I started going downhill with it and again it was it was this shoulder injury I've had recently that pulled me out of that slump because I was doing it almost because I knew I had to for the show you know and I didn't I didn't want to watch climbing movies outside of work I still I still don't necessarily want to do that now but um, there was I, I felt saturated by the sport 
and uh, yeah, it was hard. Like yeah. I, I had to pretend that I loved it when I actually I was kind of thinking. <laughs> when I, you just did the job as well. Well, it was the first year probably that yeah. period. But I just remember thinking like I don't want to ever go on Facebook again, personal or otherwise. Mm. I never want to watch another climbing movie again. And then she go tells you to start vlogging. Yeah, exactly. And then I had to make it. <laughs> but I think I do think that's important because I think you have to um, inspire yourself with climbing because it's because it's an individual sport with a team if if you know you've got 15 people around you egging you on you get the motivation from them but with an individual sport like climbing you have to find it yourself and that can be really tricky i think yeah yeah no i i agree i think um being in a team sport uh like my son at the moment is like about to choose between ice hockey and skiing and i'm like i love skiing i'm like i massively love skiing but like actually having that kind of team sport I think is like for me is really important as growing up like having being in a team like I very weirdly in in the same way that you found um, climbing in London I found like a rugby team so I played rugby in London and I for me having like having that identity as being part of a kind of team it I wouldn't say it was all encompassing but it was like it was so nice to have like be part of a team essentially and it's like it kind of teaches you a lot of things to be part of a team and whenever I've fallen out of love of, with climbing it's A when I haven't been climbing enough and B when I get a bit like just a bit like I'm frustrated with the values of it in terms of how how self-centred it is like mm-hmm. and you meet quite a lot of uh, climbers and they're just talking about their projects and yeah. they're just talking about where they are and you're like I know that it means that like what you're doing is you're sharing your experience and then we can have something in common kind of thing. But it's such like a, and then I'm doing this and have you done this? I've done this and you've done, you know what I mean? And, and it is a very individual sport and you have to be incredibly selfish to a certain a, a, uh, aspect in order to kind of fulfill your goals and to be goal orientated. But sometimes I think that has negative effects in that, you know, I'm all for like new experiences and like kind of looking beyond my boundaries and what I can do and, and where I am and so I sometimes that frustrates me about climbing a little bit and I'm exactly the same as you but then that I get knocked out of that by kind of going climbing with a bunch of guys who are super sound and like really cool and just like all they want to do is just like have fun and they understand that you've got your project but they got their project but they just they're just out there for having fun of it kind of thing and you see that and you're like wow this is awesome it's amazing yeah. the higher end of that spectrum I am um, I interviewed Adam Ondra once in Spain and I thought I'd throw like a curveball at the end of the interview. And I was like, so Adam, what do you do outside of climbing? Are there any books and stuff you do? And he just kind of, he had a moment and he looked at me and he just goes, no, 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 it's just, just climbing. Yeah. <laughs> just that's it. Yeah. He stopped studying at that phase. Yeah. And I think he just had, I mean, that's all he wants. It's all he wants. Yeah. Uh, I found that kind of uh, quite amazing. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't get that m- amount of obsession. I mean, I, I, you know, I, love the way that it makes me feel i love that kind of most most of the aspects of it but i i need other stuff in my life do you know what i mean there needs to be that kind of variety yeah and being just climbing would drive me insane after a while uh and you know i like hanging out with people that talk about climbing but i also like hanging out with the people that talk about climbing but no understand that there's a limit to it kind of thing <laughs> like yourself like we talk a lot about climbing but then we there's all there's always a cutoff point when we're on trips and stuff where we're like Okay, we don't talk about climbing. Yeah, the moment we go on a plane. Yeah, we have a beer. We like, we, yeah, we like, we kind of like, we we have our, we like, we have our moments. Where we're like, right, we're not talking about it anymore. We're just gonna have fun. Yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. So I think definitely there's a balance to it, and I don't know. I I think I, I might be 
being sacrilegious saying that. But no, I think I think it's what we started talking about. Really, is is I I I needed something in my life. I found climbing. It became everything yeah. which is too far and then you know to I had to pull it back yeah. and I remember this moment where I was sitting in a pub in Swiss Cottage in Finchley Road and like I'd seen the same group of people for the last four days or something and I was in this pub and I did the same thing every week and I was suddenly like is this actually fun <laughs> like what am I doing here maybe perhaps there's another world that I'm missing here um and that was that was this clarity moment of like I, I have to re- readdress the balance here because it just wasn't healthy. It was everything, yeah. and I think that's great. And I think I also think you need it if you're training, <clears throat> excuse me, for a project or something. If you've got a goal, you need that obsession. But yeah, there's a big wide world out there. But yeah, I mean, like this isn't a, uh, an insult, but you're mm. kind of like quite like that character. You like yeah. you, it's like not all or nothing, but like once I've seen you get a hold of something. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I'd run with it. Yeah, and just yeah. go with it. Yeah, like, I like to know everything about it, or at least like the theory of everything. Yeah, um, and it's funny because my both my mum and my dad uh, are exactly the same as me, but my mum doesn't think she is. Oh really? So my my dad is is she's really, in denial. Yeah, she's totally in denial. She my mum will do a course on something and then inevitably end up working in it three yeah. years later. You know, it becomes her whole life. <laughs> so it runs in the family. I can't just I can't let it go. It's 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 tough. I don't think I I haven't. Like for me, I, but the thing is, I think that is, uh, I think you can talk, think about that as a, in a positive way because it is like, is like just wanting to kind of basically absorb literally every last like molecule of like knowledge. And because at the end of the day, after like two or three years, you become like the expert in that mm-hmm. field kind of thing. Um, I, and I mean, I, I, for me personally, I just, I, I feel like I'm, I, I can't quite do that concentratedness, but I, what I can do is I can stick with something for a long enough time that I know by default I will, I will know most <laughs> things about it by the end of the thing. So everything that I've done is like essentially by default I've kind of stuck with it long enough that I know that by the end of it I'll know a little bit about it. Filmmaking. Yeah, yes, filmmaking, cli- like climbing and skiing <laughs> and stuff like that. I've like stuck with them for a very long time. So, but th- there's definitely like um, you know. You know when you meet like those guys, it's like the older guys who've like been climbing all their life, but like they've they've had that kind of exposure young, and it's now I like meeting those guys, and they're kind of like they're now a bit more relaxed about it, but they know that they're just like they're kind of on it in terms of any kind of knowledge, anything that they kind of need to know, but they're like a little bit more kind of chilled out about it because they're a bit older kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like kind of talking to those guys because they kind of like have that kind of perspective, but at the same time they have that huge amount of knowledge. Yeah, Tom Randall pops to mind. Tom Randall's a very good one. Uh, <laughs> a very nice guy uh, who I worked with in the summer called, uh, last summer called Rolando Alarca, mm-hmm. who we did a film with, who was a lovely, lovely man, but like just knowledgeable to the core. It was incredible. See, I think we should do a podcast on climbing heroes at some point. Yeah. Because there are, well, we'll talk about it later, but I think, I think the people we've met and the people who are our heroes and how they've stacked up to our perception of them could be an interesting podcast. Yeah, yeah. Without... Well, there's, there's a certain few that have kind of become our friends. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I don't And there's that. the ones I get starstruck by as well, still. There, there are who certain... Who was the last one you got starstruck by? That's a very good question. Uh, Tommy Caldwell at the Pile Doors. Yeah. That that because I'd never met him before, um, and I really wanted to introduce myself. <laughs> so I was like, I'd already been kicked out of the PLA doors once for having a beer. So I was sitting outside. Was this the same one? Yeah, this is the same one. So oh, I was sitting God. outside the tent of the PLA door drinking a beer because it annoyed me they'd throw me out. So instead of just like not drinking my beer, I thought, no, I'm going to on their tent. I, I might have peed on their tent as well. But um, I was drinking this beer, looking at the people, just like, yeah, well, I'm still drinking my beer. Anyway, yeah, yeah, being a bit of a twat. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, he he walks through, and I just thought, God. I, 
he doesn't know who I am, but I just want to shake his hand. So I put my beer down. That yeah. was a big deal. Yeah. And I went back in. I just sort of bumped into him. I was like, Tommy, uh, I don't think you know who I am, but I'm Matt. He was like, oh, yeah, 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 cool. I know who yeah, you yeah, are. Yeah, I, yeah, I doubt yeah. he had a clue. But that was huge. I was genuinely like, I had the heart thing going on. But then we spoke to him later, remember? I like, I said hi, and then you were there as well. Yeah, I sort of nodded. I felt a bit weird. No, but you said hi again. You I said, said hi, hi maybe hi. You said something funny. But Come he, um, I, might have, I might have joked. But <laughs> he, he, about his dawn wall project. Yeah, about it's not that hard, is it? No, it's easy. I mean, Adam yeah. did it in a couple of days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's a good joke. Can't be that hard. Good joke Tommy. But yeah, he was for me. And you? Who was your last one? Uh, starstruck, 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 starstruck. Um, that's a really good question. I don't Do you know. think because because Alex Puccio? Yeah, yeah, bam! I was slightly starstruck by her. That was that. So it was last week we met her. I basically I I've met before and I and I would never normally say this to anyone, but I was like, hey, we've we've met before and like we'd met once or something. Yeah. She was like, she looked at me, she was like. Oh hey, well, it's nice to meet you again. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll just go find the camera. <laughs> the thing is, I could always hide behind the camera, but definitely that was a bit, bit of a moment when I was like, okay, okay, okay. Um, but no, she's great. So a question we get asked all the time, which I think we should address on this because we're talking about our history of climbing, mm-hmm. is, and we're going to finish this fairly soon. But is uh, what is your hardest grade? Because it's something that gets asked all the time, and I think this could be the moment to knock it on the head once and for all. You know what? This is embarrassing. I think my hardest grade is 6A. Lead grade, you think? Yeah. I've seen you climb 6B indoors. Yeah. I've delayed you. Okay, 6A, out, 6A outdoors, 6B indoors. Okay, bouldering. Because that's, again, that's not something you've done so much of outdoors, right? You know, what are those blues in, indoors? I re- uh, ooh, that's a good question. Maybe uh, like font 6A. There you go. There you go. That's pretty good. Uh, so for me, I'm I'm I've managed to climb one sport soft AA. I bouldered seven C. If you look at the book, but it's probably seven B plus. And I've tried what, climbed E six. Yeah. Okay. And I've tried climbed E six. And it's the trad climbing where I would love to step up. Like I'm happy with the sport. I'm happy with the bouldering, but I'd like to lead harder trad. Can we do like a, a video where? Because I'm, I'm always now very keen to get myself involved mm-hmm. in climbing. Can we, like, where I do an E1? You sh- definitely. Yeah. E1s are hard. Yeah, I know E1s are They're hard. Like, That's like, I'd scary. Have to scare, like, I watched, uh, I filmed Katie and, uh, who's his name? Charlie Woodburn. Mm-hmm. Got up an E1 in the lakes and it looked sketchy as anything. Yeah. I was like, I would not want to be on that. I, th- I think we need, because you're a tall man, I think we should go to Stanage and yeah. find a breaky. Pr- so in Stanage, the, the rock is, um, it's split into the horizontal lines. Yeah. And if you can, sometimes, and if you can reach between those lines, it's all good. Okay. If you can't, you've got a problem. <laughs> um, but I think Stanage could be your first E1 territory. Yeah. No, we'd have to build you up. We'd have to, because you jump straight on an E1, you're probably going to, you've never placed gear, right? No, but I, no, obviously, yeah, obviously we'd build up to it, but that'd be like, my end goal I yeah think. uh no and then obviously we'd want to push it further than that but yeah i think i'd just if i could eat like because uh, yeah even that what's that flying buttress is that hvs that's hvs yeah, yeah and that looks absolutely terrifying it's hard it's yeah. hard i tell you what we, we have an email address which is climb at epic tv.com uh if this is, ever goes out this podcast then do send emails of suggested hugo e1s yeah which yeah. which is the first e1 he should do yeah that's a good question that's a good one good one and are any of them in france <laughs> <laughs> well so i we mean don't have to travel so far yeah france is tricky with the trad scene i think we need to go uk for it i think we do yeah you're right you're back right. to the home um yeah stanage was my first ever place i went outdoor climbing 
That's cool. That was the first. Actually, no, it was. That's a lie. It was Stanley's area, but I went to Lawrence Field, which is a tiny. I don't think you've been. It's a, it's a little crag near Millstone, which is where you okay. know those big the, crack the, area. The wall is and stuff. Exactly. It's yeah. opposite that on the road. Okay. That was my first, and then Stanley's was the second day. So for me, Gritstone was my first trade experience. So Amazing. I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, no, I definitely would like to scare the living uh, crap out of myself by going on mm-hmm. some trad. Because like I started, I started climbing France. So like, and as most people know, France is a sport climbing mecca, and they they bolt everything, mm-hmm. which is great <laughs> and still scary. Even if, if you haven't yeah. climbed trad and you're trying to climb sport, it still get yeah, I still get scared. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I'd love to. I'd love to try uh, okay. to try trad. Well, we're, I'm not sure when we're up north next. We're in the UK soon. Lake District. True. We're we could do an Lake District one. We could like stay a bit longer. Have I booked the flights? Oh, yeah, I don't sure. know. I don't yeah. know. Uh, anyway, I think what we should do is ask people if they've listened to 32 minutes of us rambling <laughs> along, what they would like to see. And I think like so, this theme that has been like just about us. Yeah. Getting to know you. Getting to know us. Uh, and what should the next one be about? What do you think? Let's just put a few ones out there. So uh, we could do climbing heroes. Yeah. We could do um, how Epic TV makes money. Yeah. In terms of like why we do the gear, why we advertise, all that kind of stuff. Uh, YouTube, I think, is a theme we could talk about. YouTube, yeah. Um, do we want to talk about? Uh, like, is there any new, like any point in doing like news on this at all, or what's happening? I think in that's for the, the news show. I think this is. This is your couple of doing an E14. We could do that. We could maybe blend. I think if there's a talking point that comes up in the week that we're in, doing, yeah, one, okay. We Has there been anything it. coming up this week? Uh, not that I've seen. The Slovenians. Slovenians are crushing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone's free soloed Fitzroy up and down, which is a pretty massive deal. That, that's massive. Yeah, but that again, new show maybe. But, Hazel um, Finley's been free soloing in Wales. She has been great video. Mm-hmm. Flow. Flow. Not- I watched the behind the scenes of that. I did too. We should do behind the scenes. I think so. I and just sits down and interview. That's like that's all you need. You I know, was- what? it made me happy because he was kind of it was hot takes who did it, yeah. and he's like he's sort of implying that he winged a lot of it in yeah. terms of some things. And I was like, yes, because we do that. We do it all the time. Like, that's what happens when we make videos. That's the nature of making Epic TV is winging it. Yeah, uh, which is ironic since we used to do wingsuit flying. <laughs> Seamless. <laughs> Hey. Anyway, yeah, it was good uh, makeup. You should watch that film. I, I yeah, I, I really want to. Um, should we call the day? I think that's it. So thirty-four minutes. Um, this will be going out on some kind of a platform that we don't know yet. Uh, do email climb at epictv.com with ideas and suggestions, not only for Hugo's first E1, but also generally. Loads of people come into the kitchen. Goodbye. Goodbye.